0: Okay, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we'll be talking to, from WeAreMovieGeeks.com, Sam Moffat. You're listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. But now, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening, uh, and I wish viewing pleasure, but just listening pleasure, uh, we have on the phone with us a gentleman by the name of Sam Moffat. Sam, uh, just to make sure that the gods of uh, telecommunications are working correctly, can you say hello?
1: I can say
0: hello. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, you know, yeah, and we know you have that capability from WeAreMovieGeeks dot We welcome to the show this morning, Sam Moffitt. Sam, thanks for joining with us.
1: It's an honor and a privilege, Tony.
0: Now, full diclo- full dis- uh, disclosure, um, Sam is someone who I've known since I was thirteen years old, uh, and uh, we um, we were roommates at one time in the seventies, and we even hitchhiked halfway across the country together. We're not together; we split up in teams. And you were on a separate team. You were with Craig, and I was with a guy named Electric Ed Tate. Uh, in the interim, though, you have become a movie critic, and I've read several of your reviews, and you're great at going deep in the paint on movies. So tell us about WeAreMovieGeeks.com and your involvement in it.
1: Well, um, a good friend of mine in St. Louis started We Are Movie Geeks, uh, Tom Stockman. Um, I got to know him in the 80s. He used to publish a fanzine called Shock Review. And a friend of mine uh, that I worked with at the time gave me a copy. It had Tom's mailing address, so I mailed him a letter. And we became good friends. I wrote for his fanzine uh, shock review. I wrote a brilliant article about antique pornography.
0: You you wrote a brilliant <laughs> article about antique pornography?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> pornography... It was VHS tapes uh, that were out in the 80s of, um, you know, uh, the stag movies that your grandpa and, you know, used to, maybe your grandma used to look at, I don't know. But um, we developed a friendship from there, and I kind of lost track of him for a while. And he uh, sent me an email uh, a couple of years ago. In fact, I've been writing for Movie Geeks for um, about four years. Okay. he and, he and a, f- a friend of his named Michelle McHugh started the website and there are several other writers on it but our focus is strictly reviewing uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and new releases and when I started writing for the website uh, Tom asked me to limit it to uh, to not touch anything that's new in theaters or has been in theaters in the last 10 years otherwise I could write about whatever I wanted
0: alright that explains, uh, cool, cool um
1: yeah, so so i I hit the independence, the stuff that fell through the cracks the the classics um you know stuff that people may not have heard of, and also documentaries which rarely get into theaters so
0: you know uh knowing you as i do i I know few who um uh have the the passion for movies uh, that you had when we were kids that you have now and uh, i i' I've, I've read um uh, I've read completely three of your reviews so far. And I'm to, I want to talk about, it. I, what, one of the greatest joys I find in my life is finding that film I didn't know about or that film I never heard of, you know, even if it's flipping channels and then coming across a gem and going, wow, why don't I know about this? Why don't people, and that seems to be a lot of what you, you write about. I want to talk about three of them. The Tammy Show, yes. uh, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And uh, I always screw up this title, South of Heaven, West of Hell by Dwight Yoakam. Yes. Yeah. So first, let's talk about The Tammy Show, which I ran across quite by accident at an offbeat record store. And when I got to watch this, uh, you did a review of this uh, hidden gem that was gone for years. Tell us about this movie.
1: Uh, Well, it's pretty unique. It was shot on a process called Electronovision which was an early form of digital video. So that's why it looks fantastic. It it's, looks like it was videotaped, you know, yesterday. Uh, and, and the Tammy show was put together by a group that was promoting ElectronoVision. The kids in the audience that got to see these groups live uh, got to see them for free. They didn't pay any money for it.
0: Now, wasn't Phil Spector one of the uh, producer promoters of this?
1: Yes, he was. Phil Spector was a major mover on getting the show together, and the original plan was to have a new Tammy show every year. But they only did the one, and then there was a semi-sequel called um, uh, The Big TNT Show, which was similar. It was, and it was a lot of different musical acts. It, was, it covered everything. Uh, Motown, uh, straight-up rhythm and blues. Uh, James Brown, of course, stole the show. Um, a lot of good acts at the very beginning of their career, or you know, I mean, it was it was everybody. It was uh, you Doug know Barry. It was uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers. was a lot of people.
0: You know, see, this is what I, I loved about the review. I mean, I loved a lot about the review, but I did not know. I know about the Tammy Show. I've watched the Tammy Show. I've turned people onto it from YouTube. I go, you got to see this, and then I did not know there was a follow-up called TNT. I now know that, and I will hunt that down mm-hmm. like an animal and devour it. You're you're right. By oh. the way, name some of the acts that were on this this incredible uh, this incredible it, free for the kids who came out and see about three thousand people at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium. Name some of the bands that were on this show.
1: Oh, geez, uh, the Beach Boys. Um, like I say, Chuck Berry, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Um, uh, Marvin Gaye was there. Um, James Brown, of course, stole the show. The Rolling Stones, who were new to the country, they were just getting started, had to follow James Brown, and none of them wanted to do that, especially yeah. Mick Jagger. He said, oh, we can't, we can't go on after that. You know, it was, uh, and it was it was pandemonium. It was James Brown himself said it was uh, one of the best performances of his ever captured.
0: Um I have shown that to people before, and go. I don't know why everybody just quit and go home and start, you know, start hamburger stands. Going, we can't, we can't top yeah. this. It's a, a stunning yeah. piece of work. And the Rolling Stones did. In my mind's eye, they they followed them well. Was it Jan and Dean were like the hosts of the show, doing little comedic things yeah. in between it?
1: Yes, Jan and Dean were the hosts, and some of their stuff is kind of hard to watch. But, <laughs> um, You know, they their their repartee is a little strained, but. Um, they had um, they had a whole lot of people um, i know th- 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 go ahead bear with me while i look up who all was on the show uh,
0: one of the things i found uh, amusing about the show was that so many of these newer groups uh, all they knew were about 20 or 30 songs and about half of them chuck berry songs and i think at least two of the groups chuck berry came out and played and he had that look in his face like why am i opening and uh and then, and then another band came on and did the same song that he had done, and I think one other band did it. I think two other bands did Chuck Berry songs while Chuck Berry was on the show.
1: Yes, he was, did not look pleased about it either. That was Jerry and the Pacemakers did Maybelline, right yeah. after Chuck and Tubb did Maybelline. He, I don't think he was happy about that, and you can kind of see it in the show. But um, they had um, Leslie Gore, uh, Marvin Gaye, The Blossoms, uh the real obscurity was the barbarians who got on the show uh, legend has it because they were friends with one of the producers i and think they, they
0: only go ahead i think they went on to be yeah. like a house band, a part of the shindig uh, uh t v show but uh uh yeah. go on who else was on the show
1: um they had uh the miracles the supremes um uh, Uh, The Beach Boys were lost from the show for a long time. Their management had them pulled from the existing uh, copies. And they got restored by... uh, Shout Factory put the DVD out. And they did a real good job putting it together. Um, There's... uh, I don't see. That's
0: That's a lot. That's a lot.
1: uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles... Um, they did uh, Mickey's Monkey. Uh, <laughs> in the house band, the house band was known as the Wrecking Crew. <clears throat> um, as just a session player in the house band was Leon Russell.
0: Well, yeah, the Wrecking Crew was. Um, I just watched the documentary on the Wrecking Crew recently. I mean, so much of uh, um, uh, what was uh, American pop was beginning to form into American rock in the mid-60s or so, uh, you know, from early 60s into about the late 60s, was a group of about 20 musicians out of Los Angeles that were uh, unofficially known as the Wrecking Crew. Glenn Campbell was a member of the Wrecking Crew, Leon Russell. Tommy Tuscadero played played guitar and so many things, uh, uh, including uh, something stupid with Frank and Nancy Sinatra, and these boots are made for walking, and uh, there was a woman bass player. So the Wrecking Crew, all the Sonny and Cher, all the Beach Boys stuff, was the Wrecking Crew. The Beach Boys would show up in the studio and Brian would go, are these guys are going to play, and we'll come in and sing later. So uh, yeah. the Tammy Show is a wonderful document of all those bands when it was new and exciting and wonderful for them. You can see it in their eyes and faces. And yep. uh, some, if you love if you love uh, rock music, rock and roll, and you love history, uh, you unearthed the gem, yep. the Tammy Show.
1: Yes, and uh, just other um, uh, people that were there, like you say, Glenn Campbell was there. Also, in the audience was John Landis. Um,
0: the movie maker, John Landis, who made Animal House.
1: Went on to make Animal House and the Blues Brothers, and he he said he got his uh, education in American popular music uh, by being in that audience. And on the stage among the dancers was uh, Terry Gar.
0: Man, oh man. Let's move on now to uh, another movie that is, uh, was not a, a rare or lost gem at the time. It was a hit in the theaters, but... Uh, now um uh, like some movies seem to turn up on on cable basic cable premium cable over and over and over this one doesn't and it should uh because it's so much influence so much of comedy moving forward in america and that's it's a mad 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 world
1: yes yes uh that's the criterion version that's uh uh, one of those packages that's both blu-ray and dvd and it has uh the accepted theatrical version, and then they tried to restore the Roadshow version. Um, one of the one of the great tragedies of film history is so many movies are destroyed after they, you know, made the rounds of theaters. Uh, Mad World was shot in uh, what was called ultra panavision, which was a super widescreen process for Cinerama theaters, and the original Roadshow version ran well over three hours. And uh, when they put it in regular theaters, they burned all the copies of the Ultra Panavision uh, version. And they, they created the theatrical version that was about 20 minutes shorter. So if you get the DVD through Criterion, it's, um, it's both versions. And they, they reconstructed the Roadshow version with still photos and some black and white footage and just various ways to try and, and fill in the gaps, so to speak. it's
0: it's how I see them do some uh, silent films where they go we've lost 20 minutes of this and they'll put in a a title telling you what went on that movie was a a veritable who's who of American comedy at the time of those who were passing the torch and those who were soon to pick up the torch tell us about a few of the people that were in that film
1: oh good heavens Jonathan Winters kind of steals the show but uh, Sid Caesar, Mickey Rooney, Buddy Hackett um in, in cameos, you get uh, Jack Benny, Jerry Lewis. Um, there's, uh, it, It's uh, literally unbelievable who all they got in the movie. Uh, Spencer Tracy is the cop who tries to make sense of what's going on. Um,
0: Jimmy Durante's in the film. Under the big W. Jimmy, Jimmy,
1: Jimmy Durante starts, uh, starts the thing uh, by uh, running his car way out there he's uh smiler grogan he's uh you know just been released from prison they think he's gonna go get his money that he that he hid. Uh, uh milton Burrow is in it uh ethel merman uh dick sean is in it uh playing a character who is uh definitely consumed something more than a cocktail yeah uh, it's so actually it it's, it's actually it's actually a
0: it's actually a better uh a better performance he's he's known so much for his performance in the producers but it was a similar yet i I thought funnier performance
1: yeah um his his characters introduced uh dancing the watusi with um uh, i can't remember her name but uh dorothy provine is in it edie adams uh eddie anderson also known as rochester jim backus is in it Uh,
0: aren't the three stooges in it and just like the briefest of moments
1: yeah, they're one of the cameos. They're they're shown as uh, firefighters standing by in case of a disaster, which of course there is a disaster. <laughs> but it was uh, it came out during the period when Hollywood was doing what they called road shows, which were uh, limited engagement, widescreen. Uh, they treated it like a special event, and usually that was for uh, uh, costume uh, epics like Spartacus or uh, Ben Hur. And Mad World was the only epic comedy, as far as I know, that's ever been made. Um, they kind of made a remake of it, in a movie called Rat Race, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, um, sure. Yeah, which, you know, has its moments. But um, I used to think of uh, Mad World as being like a comedy king of the hill, where they're all fighting to, to steal the movie from each other. Yeah, yeah, but, well but put. It, yeah, but it's also like a comedy relay race. They keep passing the baton from one uh group to another. Um uh, the the gag is there's money hidden under a big W out at Santa Rosita Park and these different uh people are trying to get there to get that money. So they're they're using every means available, airplanes, uh motorcycles, uh pickup trucks, you know, whatever. And um Jonathan Winters. Go, the the highlight of the movie to me is Jonathan Winters going berserk and destroying a gas station. Now I want to ask uh, you
0: about that scene because I I saw the movie uh, a few years ago again. And, and I didn't see the full. It was one of those where I'm walking through the living room and I kind of flip a channel. And I go oh, and I've seen it all the way through. But I'm looking at it and I'm going that's him destroying a gas station, but that's actually a uh, uh, that's actually a, a stunt double. Do you, do you think um, that? What pretty much say that again
1: pretty much yeah it's a stunt double but uh, in a lot of scenes you can tell it's Jonathan Winters
0: it's a close up on his face well he when I was a kid you know I saw that movie when I was a little kid it came out when we were kids my folks taking us to the drive-in or something and seeing the movie but there's this one line he delivered that has stayed with me to this day when someone's explaining to him about the money and they go it's that much money tax free and he goes wait a minute hold on Everybody's (laughs) Everybody's <laughs> got to pay taxes.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even, even businessmen who lie, cheat, and steal every day, even they have to pay taxes. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Winters, yeah, Winters is, is excellent. He just and, steals uh, the
0: show. He just yeah, the,
1: um, uh, who, uh, uh, Carl Reiner is also in it. Uh, the gas station is run by uh, Arnold Stang and a great character actor named Marvin Kaplan.
0: Yeah, and sure. The
1: gag, is, the gag is they think he's crazy because he told Phil Silvers about the money, and Silvers convinces them that Jonathan Winters is nuts. So they duct tape him to a chair, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets out of that and he proceeds to destroy the gas station. And yeah, it's, it's very, very funny. And uh, supposedly, Winters said that uh, the, per- the people who own that land thought that somebody had actually built a gas station there. <laughs> and they didn't realize. Then it came by the next day, and it was gone. It was totally leveled. But uh, now, who, first, who, who, first who, of, who directed the film? Oh, uh, Stanley Kramer directed it.
0: Man, he that just, guy! What he did—he did so many incredible yeah. things. I, I'm reading—I'm um, reading a book right now about uh, the history of the 1950s. He was the producer behind uh, *Streetcar Named Desire*.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, well, the funny thing with Kramer, uh, he was known as Mr. Ultra-Liberal, you know, a lot of social dramas, uh, Inherit the Wind, uh, uh, The Defiant Ones, and when he went to make a comedy, he made this movie that showed the absolute worst of human behavior, you know, just naked greed and uh, extreme violence and um, a total disregard for Law and Order. (laughs) I mean... The the one of the gags is the cops stand by and do nothing while these people lay waste to the Southern California desert. <laughs> you know they they don't do anything about it.
0: I read about um, Kramer uh, that he um, he also produced all the uh, Elvis movies, and uh, um, I believe so. And that someone said to him, "They go and and they were and, you know and no disrespect to uh, the King, but a lot of those movies were schlock." And someone goes, "How can you do that?" He goes, "And and they make these other great movies like Ship of Fools and stuff." He goes. I make money off Elvis movies so I can make those movies.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which is yes. a,
0: something I shared with a comic one time when I owned a club and I booked someone who they thought was reprehensible because there was no art in what they did. And comic goes, how can you book that person? They go, well, they pay your salary so you can go up there and be artistic because people pay to come out and see him. Let's move on to um, South of Heaven, West of Hell. Uh, there's two Westerns that uh, received so much negative press that you thought that someone had actually uh, killed someone's child, and that's why they wrote about it. That, of course, is Heaven's Gate, which, in retrospect, (coughs) is a wonderful film. And then Dwight Yoakam's uh, South of Heaven, West of Hell. So that movie is a very good movie, fantastic film, generally panned, but you love it. Tell us why.
1: Um, It is different. It is a different kind of a Western. Um, I saw it originally on VHS, and, um, when it came out on DVD, I took a look at it and I'm the type of person, uh, I'll read other people's reviews after I've watched the movie. Uh, just, to, you know, I don't, I don't go by any critic as to what I'm going to watch. Um, but South of Heaven, West of Hell, there is massive hatred on the internet about that movie. Um, it's, uh, it's a real simple story. Um, Dwight Yoakam is a small town sheriff. And he's from a family of inbred rednecks who are very similar to the family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that they're all male. There don't seem to be any women in the family. And uh, his adopted brother is Vince Vaughn, who plays uh, just a totally evil, you know, yeah, old school bad guy, you know, would gladly kill a woman and her child if it meant he could get some money. Um, and his family comes in and uh, robs the bank where he's the sheriff. And the movie, for some reason, we don't see him um, immediately get up a posse and go after him. It, it picks up a couple of years later, as if he's forgotten about that. And um, He basically ends up uh, finishing up some business, and the family is, is very strange. Like for instance, Paul Rubens is a member of the family. Pee Wee Herman. Un- Pee Wee Herman, and he's unrecognizable. If, unless you look really close because he's got a full beard and he wears a Mexican sombrero.
0: Man, if only he'd had that down a few years before, it would have changed his career being unrecognizable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting movie in that uh, Billy Bob Thornton is in it and he plays the the most well-educated and well-spoken person in the movie. Um, in fact, there's a lot of good casting. Uh, Bud Court is in it. Uh, From uh, Harold and Maude. Harold and Maude and... Um, um, Several other interesting movies. Uh, uh, Why shoot the teacher? And he's unrecognizable. He's gained a lot of weight, and he's, uh, you know, of course, he's older. Uh, Lucas Q. is in it. He's one of the bad guys. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's just, it's offbeat. It's, it's, uh, the, it's not like a typical western at all. Like, for instance, uh, they actually deal with, uh, you know, in old westerns, they would shoot and shoot and shoot, and you'd never see him reload. Yeah, uh, in this movie, they run out of ammunition and they throw rocks at each other. Uh, <laughs> they'll just pick up rocks and start throwing them. Uh, a more honest, a, no, pr- a
0: more honest uh, uh, telling of uh, uh, oftentimes those sort of battles.
1: Yeah, and they also show that it was very common for people to be shot, and they don't fall down dead immediately; they just keep fighting.
0: Yeah, squirming and screaming. Um, a, a couple, I one of, I watched the film, and, and tell me if you agree with this. You know, there's certain types of music that require active listening and therefore never reach... Uh, most pop music doesn't require active listening. It might be pleasant. You might like it. Uh, in the in the current, uh, current era, a, a Justin Bieber song or even a Justin Timberlake song doesn't take active listening. It can be... You know, it's, it's dance music. You can kind of listen to it, not listen to it, just kind of picking up the beat. Some music requires active listening. A John Coltrane jazz song requires active listening. Without, yes. without really paying attention to it, it just sounds like jumble of noise. Then you listen to it and go, this is incredible. In my estimation, Dwight's movie required active watching as opposed to passive watching. Uh, yes. Th- would you agree with that, if we, and would you talk about that sort of uh, movie for a moment?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it is the kind of movie you have to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, a uh, better critic than me pointed out a few years ago when I. Uh, I one of my all time favorite movies, I took you to see it was Chinatown.
0: Oh, God, yeah, I remember.
1: Yeah, it's the Sunset Hill Cinema. But you also and, took uh, me to
0: see Zardoz, so I'm a little. I'm still mad about that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, 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 don't put down Zardoz. It's, it's unique. Um, uh, this critic pointed out that Chinatown probably wouldn't be made nowadays because it's a movie that you have to watch and pay attention to. Yes. And a lot of movies now are these big spectacle movies. You can get up and walk out and, you know, get popcorn or whatever and not miss a thing. And um, South of Heaven, West of Hell, you have to pay attention to what every character says because they all have something important to say. Like, for instance, Bridget Fonda is the, uh, the nominal uh, romantic interest for Dwight Yoakam's character. And she's a very complicated, intelligent character. Uh, Peter Fonda is in it. His character is interesting. Um, basically, even even the the most reprehensible bad guys have got interesting stuff to say. You have to pay attention to the movie. Yeah, I'd agree with you there.
0: And I I think um, that I think both that and in Heaven's Gate. Uh, what Heaven's Gate? I think the guy just some of the most beautifully filmed most beautifully filmed movie I ever saw. But he, there was one where there was a ten minute pan of just people walking next to a train. And it didn't have anything to do with moving the story forward, and and I think it's the same thing with South of Heaven, West of Hell. You you have to drink it in, and when you drink it in, they're uh, really great pieces of work. Yes. Um, so a couple things, Sam. Before we move forward, so um, we would uh, we're going to ask you on the air if you would not mind about once a month or so uh, uh, joining us and and sharing with us a gem that you have found. That our listeners can then go out and and enjoy. Would you would you be willing to do that for us about once a month?
1: Absolutely, Tony. That, that, thank you. That would be again an honor and a privilege. Uh, I'd and I love right. to do that. Now,
0: there's two things I want to talk about real quick. Okay, uh, we, Billy Bob Thornton okay. and Dwight. You know, Dwight Yoakum went bankrupt over that movie. I think he had to sell his house because uh, that uh, was yes. He, yeah.
1: he put his own money into it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and of course, you know, he and Billy Bob Thornton friends forever from Belts when they yes. were both unknowns. Uh, along with John Ritter, who had passed away uh, last night, uh, as we were finishing up Thanksgiving festivities, everybody left. There's a, a there's a, a movie theater five minutes from uh, my wife and I, Shirley, who is here by the way, uh, she produces the show and it would not exist without her. Um, I said I said, hey, I go Bad Santa Two's right down the street, and we can get there in five minutes. And she goes, oh, let's do that. I liked Bad Santa Two because I like the fact that they tried to make Bad Santa Two, and I like Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. But it does not hold up. The Bad Santa. Bad Santa was okay. magic. Uh, have you seen Bad Santa too? Do you have any thoughts on it? Or
1: no, I haven't seen it yet, but I have seen the previews, and um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I will watch any movie Billy Bob is in. Yeah, um, he's just that interesting of an actor, and um, very often he has a hand in writing it uncredited. He'll he'll help yeah. out with scripts, and he won't even take a credit for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've seen the previews online. They look hysterical.
0: you know it, 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 the talk is so filthy and beyond the pale and that, and, and, oh, sure. and there were only about twelve people at the theater last night and uh, um, yeah. and they were laughing hard, harder than me because i I bad Santa to me is um uh, I, it's, I think that, it, that, that that script are words to live by. so um uh, uh, th- th- that movie uh, if i if I could still drink and I don't would be the guide to my life. So, and the other problem is the kid has grown up to look a little too normal. The kid was so weird in the original Bad Santa, and now he's uh, he's a little too normal. Um, can you share with us any—so we've shared with our audience three gems they should check out. Okay, if you love music, The Tammy Show. If you love comedy, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And If you love Western, South of Heaven, West of Hell. Can Do you have a, a nugget that you can share with us right now that's a holiday weekend— Uh, everything at the theater doesn't look good to you, your basic cable is driving you nuts, something they can download, something they can look at. Is there anything, if you can, you don't have to, do you have anything you would recommend? Okay.
1: Sure, absolutely. Every year around Christmas time, I uh, try and find a a hidden gem as far as Christmas movies. And uh, a couple of years ago, I watched a thing uh, that I had read someone else's review in one of my magazines, uh, Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. Is a Christmas movie from Finland. Finland or Lapland? One or the other. It's one of the countries that's right up against Russia.
0: Okay. And um,
1: it is one of the movies. We had a raft of movies come out about the character of Krampus, which is basically the anti Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, in European countries, Santa has a, a demon helper named Krampus. Uh, some countries just call him the devil. And um, <laughs> it's uh, the. It's a small town uh, where the main uh, economy is uh, based around reindeer. And uh, right across the border in Russia, there's a group of very shadowy Americans digging a big hole. And the, the hole is to, they're actually trying to unleash Krampus to get him out of the hole. And it's not a good thing. Um. And the, uh, the kid in the movie, it's, it is in Finnish. It, it's, it's, uh, some of it is in English, but it, it has subtitles the kid is i think a european version of ralphie from a christmas story in that uh he takes it he decides he's going to do something about krampus uh causing all this mayhem and havoc the reindeer start being slaughtered and then people start being killed and it's krampus doing it the kid has a real gun as opposed to a bb gun and he knows how to use it i mean this is like it's 10 year old kid and it's, it's his movie. It's his movie. He is, the, the kid is so charismatic and he's just is disgusted with the adults because they won't help him, you know, take care of business. Uh, but it also has the Christmas spirit in it. There's, there's uh, that's the weird thing. There are Christmas trees. There is gift giving. There's, uh, there's, uh, his, his father makes, um, 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 gingerbread men for Christmas, although he's, yeah, it, it's full of the Christmas spirit, but it's also a violent, horrific, tale. I mean, it is a horror movie, but it's it has, uh, the, devil know,
0: is un- the Devil is Unleashed, Reindeer and People are Slaughtered, but it has the Christmas yes. spirit.
1: Yes, it does, yes well, it does. I think so, oddly yeah, enough,
0: oddly enough for you and I, knowing your background and my background, that is the Christmas spirit. So.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I like the movie Krampus, the one that was made yeah. in America a couple of years ago, and there are some other movies about Krampus, but uh, this Rare Exports is is a very special movie.
0: My wife is just uh, telling me that uh, she saw Krampus, and, uh, uh, it's dark. and she said it's dark. So she and she enjoyed it, which is why she's yeah. married to me. Tell us the title of that movie again.
1: It is Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale.
0: Rare exports a Christmas tale. Is it downloadable?
1: Yeah. I believe so. I got it through Netflix, all of my stuff. It's I'm, I'm old-fashioned. Okay. I, I, get, I get Netflix discs, and I burn copies of everything. Do you have your own net,
0: net, Netflix password?
1: Do I have yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I do.
0: Well, no, what I'm saying is I, I have a theory about Netflix, because um, and, then, and then the guy who runs Netflix said it's okay, but uh, I use a password that my daughter gave me, and, uh, uh, it's not her password. And that my theory is there's actually only one password to Netflix in the whole world and we've all borrowed it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one I know watches now. You to use your password. No, it's buddy of mine. Let me borrow his. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no one. <laughs> it's, anyway, it's a theory that I'm working on. Um, all right, buddy. So I, you know, it's so great talking this morning, the, the, um, the website where you can read all of Sam's reviews and find out about some real great rare gems is, uh, and, and other movies as well is WeAreMovieGeeks.com. That's WeAreMovieGeeks.com. The movie critic is Sam Moffitt, who's coming to us today, give, generously giving of his time live from Florida, USA. Uh, yes. Sa- Sam, we want to thank you, and uh, we'll be talking to you in uh, within the next 30 days. I want you to have something really cool for our listeners to uh, be able to access and and bring a little more joy, mirth, and culture into their lives.
1: Always, always. I can talk about movies all day, Tony.
0: Uh, you know what? I remember I remember when you did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, in that, in that aspect, I haven't changed. I just have more trivia that I can discuss. Right, just the magazines
0: we used to look at are now out of print. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> we got to go. Thank you very much, Sam Muffett.
1: Thank you, Tony. appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: And that was, um, that's really cool. Okay. Uh, we are moviegeeks.com. Great reviews, great writing. And uh, what I love about finding, uh, coming across a website like that, and I'm, I'm jazzed that it was starting by St. Louis people since I grew up there, is that uh, when you're looking for something to really kind of stimulate you or at least entertain you, and so much entertainment is so horrific, uh, sites like that can lead you to stuff that you go, oh, I'd like to check that out. Or, oh, I'd like... If you have even a scintilla of a questing mind, there's a sentence for you. Mm. If you even have a scintilla of a questing mind, then you're always looking for that next wonderful thing. WeAreMovieGeeks.com can help you find that thing. And if you go there and look up Sam Moffat's reviews... And like you said, the uh, um, the people put out the, uh, um, put out the uh, website, wanted Sam to to uh, specialize in in rare films, offbeat films, documentaries. And uh, you'll be able to find them there on WeAreMovieGeeks.com Far, my producer and uh, also just happens to be my wife, Shirley Visick, and my entire family. I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and will continue to have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. We'll be back next Thursday. This is This American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com is all